Welcome to Volunteer Connection, the podcast for Girl Scout troop leaders. What's beautiful about Girl Scouts is that it takes girls outside of their comfort zones and encourages them to learn and grow and change the world. But Girl Scouts doesn't just do these great things for girls. It does the same things for the adults in the movement, too. This podcast is to celebrate those amazing adults, to share lessons learned, advice, and best practices, and to tell their stories. Hi, everyone. This might be my most scattered podcast yet because I'm recording it while driving. And I don't know about you, but it's probably going to take some editing because I have a little bit of road rage. So we're going to see how this goes. But I wanted to do an episode about planning for the next year. And I know for some of you, it might be way too early, way too soon to be talking about that. Everybody kind of does this totally differently. So different things work for different people. But pretty much starting in January or February, I start thinking about next year. And I think part of it has to do with cookies because generally, since we sell cookies in the spring, and I think most councils do that, we are selling cookies to raise money primarily for next year. Like, uh, we have a camping trip and a couple more events, actually probably have two camping trips and a couple more events this spring that obviously cookie funds are going to be nice to have to cover, but we budget for pretty much the whole next year based on the previous year's cookie sales. So anyway, um, part of the reason too why I am thinking about this is because I've recently been having some conversations with a couple of different troops about potentially joining forces and combining, which is kind of interesting. I, (laughs) as as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, I sort of have this like life dream of having one of those mega super awesome troops that spans all the grades and has a billion girls and a handful of really trusty, dependable, incredible volunteers. And of course, a really strong parent network to support our troops and um I sort of have this dream of having a troop like that right now I do have a multi-level troop but it is relatively small in stature we have 14 girls and this year and um well currently three troop leaders we've gone back and forth from two to three troop leaders over the course of our troop's life (laughs) um and We have girls all the time who want to join, so we're across three grades right now, which is sometimes two levels and sometimes three levels, depending on the year. So this year it's brownies and juniors, um, but next year it'll be brownies, juniors, and cadets. Anyway, so um, we have girls in the grades that we already serve. We have a ton of friends of the girls in my troop who want to join um, or you know, parents are talking about the experience and we have such a supportive group of families. So the parents of the girls in my troop and the guardians of the girls in my troop, honestly, are super supportive and super like pro my troop, which is really nice. I think like having worked for council and conflict resolution and then knowing a lot of other volunteers and seeing the posts on the forums and stuff like that and and the Facebook groups, 
it makes me realize that a lot of people are not that blessed to have support from true parents and families. And it's not that we never have questions that need to be answered or tension or pressure or anything like that. Of course, like everyone does, we're, we're different people. So we, when we're interacting with each other, like there's going to be times that we have to effectively communicate to be productive, to stay productive, right? There are times that we've held parent meetings and no one comes there. And, you know, we still have those, those problems. Sometimes getting parents to carpool is like pulling teeth, but for the most part, um, we have very, very appreciative families and our families are pretty invested. I don't want to say involved because we kind of set the precedent when we started our troop that it was going to be a drop-off situation. So um, I founded the troop with a, another co-leader who none of us, neither of us had kids in the troop. And um, if you've listened to the episode where I really dive into like what my troop looks like, which I'm kind of like rehashing right now, but it's sort of changing. So that's why. But anyway, um, she and I did not have kids in the troop. And so as long as they trusted us with their kids, we did not want parents breathing down our necks. Like, to be perfectly honest, we just wanted to be able to kind of do our own thing and not feel like we were under a microscope. And both of us had worked with kids quite a bit in our professional lives. So, and I obviously, I worked for Girl Scouts, so I felt very well versed in the program. And we both very, felt very comfortable with kids and we were like, we can handle it, like, we'll just do it. Um, and then in order to grow, we obviously needed more adult support. So, and not even just grow in the number of girls that we serve, but grow in the opportunities that we provide to those girls. So just for example, Cookie Booth, I do pretty much every single Cookie Booth our troop does. Um, I usually miss one or two a season. I think I usually miss like one a season, to be honest, and I do all the rest of them. But I am only one person. I can only be in one place at a time. So if I'm the primary booth volunteer, then we can only do so many booths. So that's just like one simple example. Uh, I pretty much go to everything. I pretty much don't miss a meeting. I pretty much don't miss an event. Actually, I've never missed an event. And I pretty much never miss a meeting. So honestly, like that in itself is very limiting. So I love it. And it's, it's how I want to spend my time. And I'm willing to spend all my time doing it. But I'm still only one person. And I only have 24 hours in the day and seven days in a week, just like any other person. So the more of us who are willing to show up and go to everything, the more things we can do. We've been talking for the past couple months with our troop about needing more volunteers at each level so we can add girls that are essentially on our like wait list, so to speak. And we've had some really good responses to that. We've had a couple parents who are interested in stepping up. Some want to do more than others. Essentially, the bare minimum that we ask for is like, we want you to be available for pretty much every troop meeting. And uh, you may or may not be involved in the planning. That's really up to you of how much you want to be involved in planning. Um, but you would be implementing existing plans, even if you didn't plan, and you'd be helping with behavior management at meetings um, and keeping girls on task. So that's like been the main ask. And then, um, of course, chaperoning or carpool driving for one to two events a month, which is what we generally have offered so far. And honestly, we already asked parents to chaperone and carpool. So 
it isn't that different. It's just basically asking, like, hey, can you stay for the meetings every other Tuesday um, for an hour and a half? And honestly, can you come every other Tuesday for, like, two hours? Because then you can help with setup and any remaining packing up after the girls leave. So we've had some pretty good responses. We've had a couple parents who stepped up right away. We've had some parents who absolutely want to do it. They even want to be part of the planning. And then we have other parents who are like, well, I can definitely come. I can definitely support. I can definitely implement plans, but I don't really want to take on any of the like planning and logistics. And that's fine because that's my jam. I love it. I would plan a meeting for every single grade if I had people to implement them. Like, I'm fine with that. Um, I also don't want to micromanage. So if somebody wants to plan, that's awesome. So that's sort of been why this has been on our minds this spring is because we've had a lot of questions about friends who want to join. And then in addition to that, we've also had conversations recently. And I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know what's been attracting I don't know if it's the energy I'm putting out in the universe, but we've had a couple of different troops approach us that something isn't necessarily working for their troop or they need more support or they want to be part of a troop that is uh, more efficiently or effectively run, maybe, uh, that's more active, that does stuff. They want to, like, join forces. So we've, we've been having conversations with a few troops at varying age levels um, of girls that may or may not end up joining our troop next year. So that's where I'm going to start, is how in the world do you do that? How does that look? And for me, that, and this is kind of the question, right? Like, do you do a massive, super mega awesome troop, or do you do separate troops? I mean, what is the benefit if you do more and more split by level or by grade, then what is the point of being one massive troop versus several troops. And I have thought about this. I've thought about, do I start another troop or do I get involved as a co-leader for another existing troop? Like, then I could serve more girls. Then I could continue to be involved. Like, if this is how I love to spend my time. But I think for me, as far as leading multiple troops personally, I think it would be a lot harder specifically to manage cookie inventory. I mean, if I wasn't the cookie mom for both troops or for all the troops that I was involved in, then that wouldn't be an issue because somebody else would manage inventory. And I guess that's the answer is I would just have to have cookie moms. But um, I am the, I have always been the cookie manager, the cookie person for my troop so far. So it's just hard for me to envision, like, what would it look like if I had two troops worth of inventory? And I think probably the way I would handle that personally is I would probably place an initial order to qualify for the initial order, order reward, which in our troop is um, if you do a minimum order per girl average, then you qualify for t-shirts. And so I would probably do that for both troops. And then honestly, I'd probably transfer all the cookies to one troop. And then as they were sold, I would transfer them to the other troop. So as girls families picked them up or as we did booths depending on what we sold I would just do a troop to troop transfer to myself basically um that's what I've been thinking I would do if I was going to do multiple troops part of the reason why I've thought about this is because I have moved across town since I started this troop and it would kind of be helpful if <laughs> I was going to serve more girls if I did it on my side of town at this point um, but then I'd even be part of two different service units. So honestly, like, I don't even know how that works. Like that sounds 
difficult and stressful and in some ways I think it would just be easier to add more girls. So the limitations to adding more girls to the same troop would be do you have the space to serve them? Like where your meetings are held? Do you have room for all those girls? And we're lucky enough to meet on a church campus that is pretty flexible with us and very supportive. So they have like multiple classrooms and things like that. We don't have 12 classrooms so I mean we wouldn't be able to serve like every grade separately which is how we've been running and if you listen to the other episode where i talk about my troop you'll know we pretty much the way that i've been doing things is we alternate meetings or so it's not exact but approximately um every other meeting is all together as one big group and then the opposite meeting is split up by grade and we split up by grade and not level because like i mentioned um every other year we have either two or three levels so we have girls that would be meeting together one year and then not meeting together the next year so um that makes things like high awards more challenging that makes so like when our our fifth graders were doing their bronze award the fourth graders they started as fourth graders so the the now fourth graders weren't eligible to do it yet so now this year if they had come in they definitely could have gotten their hours from contributing to the existing bronze award project before we finished it but then they wouldn't have been part of the planning and the brainstorming and all that it wouldn't have been their idea or their their goal so we wanted them to be able to do their own bronze right and so just that alone like bronze is primarily what those girls have been doing for the bulk of our split meetings this year the fourth graders have been starting their bronze and oh my gosh that was such a loud car the fourth graders have been starting their bronze award and the fifth graders finished up their bronze award and then we're going to have the same thing with silver so the fourth or the now fifth grade excuse me the now fifth graders have already said that next year they definitely want to start thinking about their silver they're very excited they loved doing bronze and they can't wait to do their silver awards they've already said they want to start talking about they want to start thinking about it they want to start working on it next year immediately um but that i mean then the girls in the grade below them are not going to be eligible to have started it yet so they're going to be separate silver awards as well um anyways so that just makes it a little more complicated for them to meet by level and so instead we meet by grade right now um and again i don't know how sustainable that would be if we served 12 grades uh, i think we'd have to meet by level in which case i don't know what exactly we would do about bronze and silver i mean gold is individual and silver can be so i suppose they could do individual silvers or they could do silvers in smaller groups right and then they're just kind of working in groups at their meeting um so i mean i suppose that that would be doable versus bronze which they did as like a whole big group so anyway you get the point so that's where my struggles are with do i become a super huge multi-level or do i do multiple troops because i want to sort of serve more girls i hate saying no i hate telling girls no i think there's room in girl scouts for every single girl i think girl scouts could look different for different girls but i think that every girl would benefit from being a girl scout and so i want to serve all of them like i want everyone in my troop and that's just easier said than done so anyway so i'm trying to figure that out um when it comes to com potentially combining with other troops 
what I've done so far is sort of played it by ear depending on the troop that I'm talking to. I already know that for the girls in my troop and their families, the day and time that we meet is non-negotiable. That is the day of the week that works for them and evening is necessary for our troop just because our families all work. Like most of the families in my troop have two working parents or they have a single parent household where the single parent works. So um, everybody needs evening, um, including the troop leaders. We all work full time, so um, we work business hours. So evening is necessary. Um, and then there are other troops that we have talked to about potentially combining who have actually said the opposite where they meet after school and for them it's non-negotiable, it has to be after school. And this is particularly um, likely for younger girls because an evening meeting can be pretty late. Like one of the troops that I talked to is currently kindergarten. We meet from six to 7.30 and to her that's not an option um, because her girls' bedtimes would be, you know, during the troop meeting or immediately after the troop meeting. And so that's just something that for them, that's also non-negotiable and that's fine, but that means our troops are not gonna combine. That doesn't mean we can't join forces in other ways. So there are volunteer activities that we have set up that we've invited them to. Um, we've told them about some events that we're going to that don't necessarily have like a cap of participation. Like we could go together and honestly we could combine our carpools we could combine forces and when we plan for next year we could plan together we could have planning sessions at the same time or we could keep each other in the loop about our planning sessions so that we know we're planning some events that we're going to do together um that our troops are going to attend together and so essentially working like a sister troop we've also talked about the fact that we can share supplies potentially so we're in the same area we have girls who know each other who go to the same school etc so um we could easily share supplies there's no reason why every single troop leader needs to recreate the wheel so to speak so um that's something that we've discussed and um We'll see how that actually plays out. Now, there are other troops that I'm in communication with who are maybe more established than me. So I would say when I talk to troops who are less established than me, who have not been doing this as long, or who things are falling apart, they're maybe not necessarily stable, those troops, I feel a little bit more like I can kind of be like, this is how we do things. Does this sound like a good fit for your families? Um, and that's the same kind of conversation I would have with potential new girls as well. Like, this is the day and time that we meet. This is what I need from you as a parent. This is, these are the kinds of activities that we have planned for the rest of the year. Like, are you a good fit or not? Um, and everybody has been, and we haven't had any girls who have joined our troop or tried to join our troop or thought about joining our troop and then changed their minds. We had one girl who changed her mind about Girl Scouts altogether. And we had one girl who moved across town who left. So, but that's it. Other than that, we've had 100% retention. So I, I feel okay being a little firm that like, this is how I do things. This is how our troop runs. And you can be on board or not. That's up to you. 
Um, but if the troop is more established than we are, or they've been going for a lot longer, I feel a little bit more like I need to discuss with them with a little bit more open mind. Like, this is how we have done things. Tell me about how you've done things. Um, this is our, definitely this is our time and day and place that we meet. This is not going to change. This is what we do. So you can join us at our troop meetings or not. But other than that, like, I want to be open-minded about just because this is how we've done things. I want to hear how you do things. And we can talk about like how we can meet in the middle and what you envision. Like, how do you envision this looking if we combine? I do think that our current structure does allow for new girls to come in. It does allow for new levels to come in as long as we have volunteers to support those levels. So where we meet allows for that, the way that we do things allows for that, the types of activities that we do, the types of field trips that we take would appeal to a girl any age. So within, you know, within reason, some of them we're starting to do a little bit more um, activities and events separately, but for the most part, like there's a lot of things we can do all together. So I do think our troop is well structured to take new girls. We just need more volunteers in order to do so. And that's something that I've been closed off to in the past, but now just because we sort of had a little committee that we of two or three volunteers at a time, this is our trusted circle. This is who we're working with and we're doing this together. Now we're going to have to talk to somebody else who also thinks that, right? And so now we're talking to other troops and we're going to see how that works out. So updates to come as far as what the mechanics of my troop will look like in the future. But let's talk a little bit more about actually planning activities and such for next year. So if you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, or if you interact with me on social media, then you know that I have some pretty strong opinions about the idea of girl-led. So I know that some of you listening to this either already do this or have been told that you should plan your troop in such a way that the girls pick what badges they want to do. They plan all the steps. They present whatever or run whatever meeting um for themselves and that's what it means to be girl-led and that's how you're going to have girl retention so you've probably been told this or you already are operating this way if you already operate this way i'm not going to knock on you like that's a really admirable way to do it and those are amazing skills that those girls are getting from planning meetings themselves and from having that power of decision making that's all good and that is absolutely following gsle and that's wonderful However, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that is not how my troop runs. That is not how my troop operates. So if you are not running your troop that way or if you are new and you don't know what you're supposed to be doing and you're trying to do that or maybe you're being told you're supposed to do that, but it just feels like you don't really know how to do it, um, you absolutely can do that. And that, of course, gets easier as girls get a little bit older, like brownie and up, um, harder a little bit to do with daisies. But I would say that if you haven't listened to the other episodes on this podcast where I really dive into GSLE and the research and the processes and the activities, um, then go back and listen to those, especially the most recent episode I did. That's a really good one. And the very first introduction to GSLE that I did, that was Cookie Cast Part 1 and an introduction to GSLE. Look up those two episodes. 
those are going to be super helpful. The episode right before this was about outcomes. And um, in that, I was able to kind of demonstrate that. So the first one's introduction to GSLE. And GSLE is what is the Girl Scout program? Um, how is it structured? Why is it written the way that it is? And when I say the Girl Scout program, I mean um, both the badge work itself, as well as the typical activities and traditions that Girl Scouts are participating in, everything from meetings uh, and badge work to cookie selling to camp and outdoors to anything else that girls are doing in Girl Scouts, STEM, art, whatever. So, um, which I guess would be STEAM now. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that term. Uh, science, technology, engineering, art, and math. Um, STEAM instead of just STEM. But either way, I still say STEM and art separately. I don't really care. I mean, if you want to call it STEAM, call it STEAM. I don't really care. But you're going to hear me call it STEM just because that's what I'm comfortable with. But it truly does not matter. Okay. So that's what GSLE is. GSLE was written in such a way that describes what kind of activities girls are doing, how those activities are structured, and then what the, if they're doing that, what the outcomes should be of the things that they're participating in at Girl Scouts. So it's like very research-based and it's all about like, what's the point? Why are we here? What are girls getting out of it? Um, so that kind of gives you an understanding of the framework of how the program's written and how you should be implementing program. And also that is also the framework of this podcast. That's how I talk about Girl Scouts because that is what Girl Scouts is. Girl Scouts is the Girl Scout leadership experience. Okay, so then the outcomes episode from last week, that was, um, and that, was, that just came out like Friday, I think, Thursday or Friday. That was about um, specifically what is the impact of Girl Scouts on girls? How are they getting those that, that impact? Anyway, so go back and listen to those and, and you'll get a, a little bit more of an understanding of what I'm saying here. But the three processes for Girl Scouts are girl-led, learning by doing, and cooperative learning. So what's interesting about those processes is you will hear people talk about girl-led all the time. This became a major buzzword when GSLE really was on the rise. Um, but you don't really hear volunteers and staff members talking about cooperative learning or learning by doing nearly as much. And what's interesting is cooperative learning and learning by doing are actually a lot more indicative of whether or not the girls are getting the outcomes from GSLE or not. So, and, and I dive way more into that, well, not way more, a little more into that in the previous episode, the one right before this about outcomes and the impact of GSLE and the impact of Girl Scouting, I guess I should say, same thing, but anyway. Girl-led is typically, there's this impression that the way that that looks has to be that girls are selecting the badges that they want out of the girls' guide. So you would be essentially all sitting down with your girls' guides or you'd be presenting girls with the options from the girls' guide. And this is an interesting thing too, because the girls' guide is expensive. So I understand why people do not buy it for the girls. Like, why a lot of girls don't have girls guides who are in troops. I do understand that, but it is called a girls guide, not a leader's guide. So I just kind of want to emphasize, like it is meant to be in the hands of the girl. It is meant for the girl to see and to read. 
Um, with that being said, most of the girls in my troop do not have them. And I've never told them not to get them. I would never tell them that because I worked in the Girl Scout shop where we sold them. And so, like, I, you know, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Like, I would never tell them not to get them. But they just don't really use them on a regular basis with the way my troop runs. We're not super badge-oriented. So, girl-led, the, the stereotype, the way that council would most likely, your council has most likely promoted this to you, and the way that your other troop leaders, if you are in the forums or if you are um, like going to your service unit meetings or anything like that, or your community meetings, whatever you call them, you're probably hearing people say that this is kind of how it, how your meeting should be structured. So girls would pick the badge they want to do, and then either they're going to go through and pick how they're going to accomplish each step, or each girl is going to take a badge and they're going to plan a meeting around earning that badge and then they're going to run the meeting for the other girls. The, those are kind of two versions, and those are both great options. That's not what my troop does. So to give you an understanding of what my troop does, we, as I said, we alternate, generally alternate meetings all together and then split up. And at a recent split up meeting, a recent divided meeting, we had girls, um, in each grade level, they sat down with their grade and they talked about what their favorite things were from this year, what they really liked and why they really liked it, what they would wanna do more of essentially. They talked about how they could expand on that, like how could they take that a step further. So we uh, worked through our camping progression. We had a bunch of girls in our troop who actually had never done an overnight when they, you know, in the past like two years or so. They had never done a sleepover away from home without their parents. So we had done progression in our troop where we did sleepovers and then um, worked up to campouts. And uh, so we did our first two-night campout as a troop last year. And then this year, this spring, we have two more campouts planned, so both tent and cabin, which personally, I prefer cabin camping, but tent camping is way more affordable. So, you know, as a kid, I didn't care. I liked both personally, that's just me. But as an adult, I definitely prefer cabin, but I don't mind doing tent if we have bathrooms, like outhouses. I don't necessarily want to do hole in the ground <laughs> bathrooms. I'm not all about that life personally. I do recognize that those are skills. And so having girls develop those skills is worthwhile or having that experience is worthwhile as at least as they get a little bit older. Um, but it's just not my thing. So anyway, we've done tent camping where they had actual like camp bathrooms we could go use. So they loved doing that, so then could we go a little bit further away? Where else could we camp? How long could we camp, etc.? They also talk about wanting to do more travel, what kind of trips are available to them. They loved, the fifth graders loved their bronze, so they're talking about what they could do for their silver and eventually even their gold award projects. So we're having those kind of conversations. Um, they love volunteering and doing community service or like smaller take action projects, so we talk about what kind of community service or volunteering, what do we want to do? What's important to us, et cetera. Um, and when we've done volunteering, what do we like and what do we not like? You know, 
Um, maybe we have the idea we want to take care of the earth, so we want to do a trash pickup. Maybe we hate tr picking up trash. Maybe it turns out everyone complained, everyone hated it. That's not a real example of my troop. We actually have not done that, but I'm just trying to give an example. So they have those conversations. Then they talk about, um, they take a look at what is in the girls' guide. So the girls' guides are pretty good. They have a map in the front section of them at each age level, and it shows like what the journey of Girl Scouts looks like when you are at that grade level. And it talks about all the different things that girls at that grade level can do. So for example, I have girls who are going to be cadets. We talked about the fact that they're going to officially be khaki girls or older girls or whatever you might hear them call it. We mostly call them older girls around here, but I've heard khaki girls too. So we, we call them both. Um, and, or tan, tan vests or whatever. So, um, we talked about what it means to be an older girl. We talked about the fact that they'd officially be khaki girls. This was a big deal. We talked about all the opportunities that are available for older girls. We talked about the high adventure stuff. As they get older, we talked about travel. The fact that girls, older girls can travel to Europe if they want. They can travel to Asia. They can travel literally anywhere in the world as they get older if they make it a goal and they work up to it. We talked about the fact that when I was a Girl Scout and I was in sixth grade, which actually was juniors, I wasn't technically a khaki girl, but um, I don't even know if that's what the colors of the older girl uniforms were because sixth grade was my last year. But anyways, so I know like the old senior uniform was blue. I digress. What was considered an older girl then was seventh grade and above, and I only went through sixth grade, but I didn't tell the girls that. It's neither here nor there. As a sixth grader, my troop took a sixth grade trip to Savannah, Georgia. I lived on the East Coast at the time. We took a trip to Savannah, Georgia, and it was amazing, and I felt so grown up, and I thought it was so cool that Girl Scouts gave us the opportunity to have that kind of trip. Um, I want my troop to have the same feeling, and also I want my girls, as they are the oldest girls, as they're getting older, to get to have things and experiences that they don't have to bring the younger girls to. They don't have to, to do with the younger girls, kind of like having younger siblings that are dragged along to everything. So we talked about the fact that a sixth grade trip was really special to me, so we're planning a sixth grade trip. This is now also a thing that we're going to establish in our troop. It's drivable. It has to be drivable. It has to be a certain number of days, it ha you know, because we're going to work up to it in progression. Um, but and there's going to have to be some like educational elements to what activities we do. But for the most part, like they'll get to pick where they want to go as long as it's drivable from where we are. So we talked about all the places that are drivable, all the major destinations that are drivable from where we are. The girls picked what was most interesting to them, and they actually were unanimous that they want to go to the coast. And I think part of that is being desert kids. We live in Phoenix. They want to go to the coast. They want to go to the beach. They want to snorkel. They want to learn about sea life They and sea animals. They, they want to do all that. Maybe a surf lesson, etc. So they want to go to the coast, and they also agreed they want to stay in a hotel. Now, whether we do a hotel for each night that we're there or whether we do one hotel night and then camping for costs, that's going to depend on our budget. We also started talking about budgeting. So as my troops, as my girls are getting older, we're talking more and more about troop finances. I think it's really important for them, along with their badge progression, as they're talking about financial literacy and money management, I want the oldest girls to really have a good grasp on the money management of our troop. 
So these girls are working on their budget from head to toe themselves about this trip. Now, some decisions, unfortunately, are going to have to be adult decisions. But for the most part, I want these girls to have the opportunity to experience um, making decisions for themselves around planning this trip. This is like such an opportunity for me to really put into play all the things that they've been working on in their progression, all these outcomes, all of these methods and all these skills that are all part of GSLE and part of the research. I really want these girls to have the opportunity to put all of that into play and into practice as they plan this trip together. And I think that um, that's really going to be a very meaningful and impactful experience. Now, because we've already established this precedent that this is a thing that the fifth graders are going to get to do next year, our fourth graders are also already talking about what they want to do for their eventual sixth grade trip, which is actually very different right now. And I don't know how it'll change, but right now the currently fourth graders are saying, well, we don't want to go to the coast for our sixth grade trip. We're going to do the same old thing you're doing. We want to go to the snow. We want to do, again, desert kids. We want to do snowboarding and snow tubing and um, dog sledding and snowshoeing. And like, we want to do all those things. So that's what we want to do for our trip, which is perfectly cool. Whatever. They're a little more ways away. So then the other thing that we did is we looked through the badges and we talked about what badges are interesting to them. Now, I'm going to be honest, this is not extremely successful in my troop because the badges as they're written for a troop that's not very badge oriented, they just think all of them sound boring. Like all of them, when they start looking at like, here's the badge, here's the requirements, it just looks like school. They have trouble necessarily seeing how it could be more fun or how it could be made more exciting. Um, <laughs> so we talked a little bit with the different groups about how could we do this that would be really cool? Like, what could this look like? What types of activities would go along with this? What types of speakers could we hear from? What types of field trips could we go do? And that helped a lot. But we really have to talk to our girls about, like, what hobbies do you have? What interests do you have? What do you want to be when you grow up? What is your favorite subject at school? What um, activities did you like this year and why? Like, did you like this science project? Okay, this specific one versus this other specific one. Which one did you like better and why? Well, this one had a lot more like working with your hands, in which case, if you really liked working with your hands and creating something, then that means we can do more stuff where maybe you're doing art, maybe you're doing woodworking, maybe, you know, those kinds of things. Um, if you really love being outside or you really love animals or you really love talking about like people, we did a really good meeting that was actually not badge oriented. We did tie it into a journey for some of the girls um, where they researched famous women, both past and present, who overcame huge obstacles and failure and conflict in their lives in order to see the success that they have. So they did the research themselves at the library. We had a meeting at the library and they got to use the resources at the library, which we've been practicing on a couple of different projects and research what the obstacles were for different um, women. And they got to share those obstacles and how those women overcame them. Um, we've done library trips. Do you like the meetings that we held at the library in general? Do you like the meetings where we go tour something? Do you like the events where we go interact with animals? Um, we've done some really cool like 
wildlife preserves. We've done um, ranches with petting zoos and exotic animals, and we've done animal rescues and shelters. So, you know, these are all things that we can build off of. Um, and so we really go off that. And we also, something that's been really, really helpful with our troop activity planning is we ask the girls fairly regularly, like probably at least twice a year, we go around and we ask everyone what they want to be when they grow up. Um, we ask girls as they're starting to get older what they think they might want to do when they go to college. What do you think you might want to study? We ask girls all the time, what are your favorite subjects in school? And part of the reason we ask this is because it changes, and especially year over year, because it changes depending on what teacher they have and what they've been exposed to and who they've met. But we also ask because as girls grow and they get exposed to new things and new ideas and new experiences, the, their answers are changing. Like they are changing their minds all the time. And, and one reason why we ask is because like, okay, if we have a girl who wants to go into law enforcement or we have a girl who wants to go into medicine or we actually at one time more than half our troop wanted to be some kind of scientist knowing that we want to continue to expose our girls to science because that's only going to get harder as they get older we know that society is going to squash that out of them if we have a girl who wants to be a doctor then we're going to encourage her and expose her to things about health and the body and about um and in trying to introduce her to really high achieving women who are in leadership roles like that, because we want her to continue to be encouraged to do those kinds of things. If we have girls who want to be singers and actresses and dancers, then we want to give them exposure to arts and to different kinds of arts. We want to take them to performances or competitions. We want to do badges that focus on those things. If we have girls who love writing or drawing, then we want to make sure that we're um, exposing them to activities around that. So science is a really good example because at the time that more than half of our troop wanted to be science, some kind of scientist when they grew up and some of them were specific and some of them just said general scientist, but some of them really knew this is the kind of science that I like. So this is my answer. We did the home scientist badge. Every single kid in our troop loved it because we primarily had brownies at that point. It was like 99% brownies at the time. So we did the home scientist badge. They loved that badge. So then there were no other science badges at the time. Now we have a ton of STEM badges, but there were no others at the time. So it was like, well, we're gonna keep on doing science because these kids love science. They begged for more science experiment meetings. We dragged the home scientist out over three meetings, and then we kept doing science experiment meetings for years. We still do because girls beg for it in our troop. They just love science experiments like home science. Um, so we've been doing that. And of course, there's tons of science badges now and technology, engineering, and math. And so we've started doing some of those as well. And we also find ways to incorporate those skills that are just aren't related to badges. Who cares if it's related to a badge? As long as the girls are getting something out of it and they're having fun and it's girl-led, cooperative, and hands-on, then we know that they're getting the outcomes of GSLE. So it's not really so much about the badges for us as it is about the activity and the outcomes and the processes. Okay, so I've been talking for a really long time. <laughs> I don't even have any notes. Now I'm like sitting in my driveway literally just talking because <laughs> um, I know as soon as I go in, my family is going to interrupt me. Okay, 
so to kind of try to finish up so we have this meeting and, and meetings throughout the whole year where we're really getting to know our girls, really getting to know what they like. I've also talked on previous episodes, we do journaling with them. So their journal entries are another way we have a really good gauge of what are they invested in, what is engaging to them, what is interesting, and what is going to keep them coming back. And that gives us ideas. Then we look at the badges that are available and we see what could we do, how could we do this whether in the spirit of the badge or how could we do even more than what's written and make it super fun. So for example, um, one of the ideas that we have for next year, we've done the detective badge in the past, but because not we only had one grade that was eligible to earn it at the time, now we're gonna have different grades that are eligible to earn it. So we wanna do different activities for them to be able to earn it. So um, we've actually talked to, I have some friends who work in um, crime investigation. So we actually came up with the idea, we're going to, what we're thinking about, <laughs> we started discussing ideas around doing a meeting or multiple meetings where we actually stage a crime scene, potentially stage a fake murder, and we have the girls get to um, learn about how crimes are solved and also do the investigation themselves. And so we don't really have this fully fleshed out at all, but we have the beginnings of the idea and, and it's very exciting. And so how can we then incorporate the different elements of the detective and maybe the special agent badge and maybe some of the steps from um, some journeys and some other badges for other levels to be able to earn that badge. So funny. So that's what we're thinking right now um, is like those kinds of things as we start having those discussions. Um, <clears throat> okay, next step as we're like discussing all these wild harebrained ideas is to collect them all in one place. So we've been using both Google Docs as well as, um, and, and Google Drive as a whole, as well as Dropbox. And we have been um, over the years so we used to really use Dropbox. Now we're using more and more Google Drive. Um, I like Google Drive because you can make edits directly to the document without having to like download it and re-upload it. And I also like Google Drive because you can um, be on it at the same time making edits. So both of us can be editing the same document and those edits take place immediately which I really appreciate. So we have right now a multi-tab spreadsheet open. And, um, oh, I missed a step. One of the things I do right around the same time is I look at school calendars for the school districts that our girls are in. And not all our girls go to the same school, but most of them are in the same school district at least. But um, I look at the school district calendar and I mark all their days off, all their holidays, their spring break, their fall break. And um, that gives me an idea of when our meetings need to be. I can also generally estimate like when is cookie season gonna start um, by looking at a calendar and seeing where the days fall. I can see like where World Thinking Day is gonna be. Um, so all those things. So I, I mark all those things and I do use Google Calendar for that. I also mark all the girls' birthdays on the calendar so that I know I have it, I know when their birthdays are coming up. We don't. We've gone back and forth. Some years we've recognized everyone's birthday and some years we've done nothing. I think the biggest thing is just be consistent. Like don't recognize one girl, but not the rest of them. So you either do it for a whole year or you don't. Um, as your troop grows, if you choose to grow your troop, the problem is that it gets to the point where every single meeting you're celebrating a birthday. 
and that just doesn't feel as special somehow. So at the very least, like a card is nice, I think, I don't know, or like some sort of gift if you want to do that. Um, at this point, we're not necessarily in the business of like formally acknowledging birthdays, but I do like to know if their birthdays are coming up. I can, you know, make reference to, oh, you know, so-and-so has a birthday coming. Or I can, if I know, like if it falls on a meeting day, then I know I can say like, happy birthday, like that would be nice. Okay, so I do that. I, I look at the calendar, get all these dates plugged into the calendar. I figure out when our troop meeting dates are gonna be. And I figure out all those dates based on the fact that we meet every other Tuesday. And then I reach out to where our troop meetings take place at the venue, the venue that we hold our meetings. And I reach out to the coordinator there and I make sure that we're good for the dates that I thought we were good for. Okay, so now I've got all those dates. I can go ahead and put those on the calendar. Okay, so then in this multi-tab spreadsheet, I or I've used a Google Doc, just like a straight document before as well, um, whatever works for you, whatever you're comfortable working in. Um, we have one front sheet that ha is split up by sort of category. So it'll be like badges, money earning projects, which we've actually never done money earning projects outside of cookies and fall product, but next year we are going to. We'll try because we have to get them approved by our council. Everybody's different, but for us, we are going to try to do some. So money earning projects, guest speakers, field trip ideas, travel ideas, and then it's just basically a list of all the ideas um, categorized. And <clears throat> this year, because our age groups are wider and because I think we'll have more levels, we're also putting on that spreadsheet, um, <clears throat> and this is why I'm using a spreadsheet and not just a Google Doc, what the badge is, what the outcome or skill or pillar is that's related to it, what the grade level is that it's relevant to, whether it's something we would do with all the grades or whether it's something that we would do with a split level, um, and then any affiliated links, like here's the links that I'm gonna need to refer back to, whether that's like a third party website or, you know, whatever, or a Girl Scout website or whatever. So then um, the following tabs are all, oh, an estimated cost as well, if there's an estimated cost. Then we look at how we break it down by month. So once we have all the ideas on there, we sit and we talk. So this is something we can kind of all collaborate to without actually doing like a straight up meeting because some of it is gonna be a little bit research heavy at this point. So it's not necessarily like gonna be an engaging meet committee meeting, but then, um, so we, we start collecting all of this stuff. <clears throat> then in the late spring, early summer, and so for us, our schools let out in May. So that's part of the reason why March is not early to start having these conversations where I am. I know some people go to school until like late June or year round, in which case, it's, it's probably gonna feel really early to you, but also we come back in early August. So we'll be meeting again in early August or mid August. Okay, so we have the number of meetings, we have a bunch of activity ideas. Then we start organizing by time of year. Like some things are gonna be really specific, right? Cookie prep meetings where we're reviewing the skills and the flavors and the prices and preparing our sales pitches and doing thank you cards and doing posters and 
making lists of who our returning customers are going to be and who we want to make sure we ask and, and everything like that. that. Those meetings are going to have to take place right before cookie season. So for us, that's like December, January time. So we already know when those things need to be earned. Then like World Thinking Day is a set day, right? So we know when that's going to be. Some things might be specific to spring. Some things might be specific to fall. Some things might be specific to like the holiday season. Our trip every single year goes caroling at the same assisted living and retirement community. So we kind of have established a partnership with them over the years. So that's obviously going to be a specific time of year. We don't necessarily know the exact date, but we know roughly this month. And then we kind of try to organize within. And so this is where you start needing to meet up to do this. And the way I intend to do this with our troop now that we're growing the number of volunteers is like invite anybody who might be interested in volunteering, invite all the parents, invite anybody who might be a co-leader and invite other troop leaders of other troops that you might want to partner with. This is where you can start having like a great big planning meeting and maybe a great big planning meeting is like you and one other person or you and two other people. That's okay. Whoever can come can come. If people aren't interested in doing this part of it, they don't have to, but anybody who wants to be there or who wants to be like on the planning committee can be part of this. So then you start trying to organize like this would be good months to do it. And you start filling in like we know where these need to be, where these need to fall. They're season specific or month specific. Then you can kind of even get more specific within the month. Like this is the general order. It's going to happen in the month. Um, I don't necessarily know the exact date, but I know that caroling is going to be mid to end of December. So if there are other things that I've picked for December, they're probably going to come before that. That's probably going to be one of the last things that we do, right? Just as an example. Um, cookie season for us starts at the end of January generally. So anything that's happening in January is probably going to come prior to the start of cookie season. So I can just sort of like plug those dates roughly in. Fall product dates for us probably are available. I actually haven't looked yet. Probably are available. If they're not available yet, they'll be available real soon. So I'll be able to plug that in. But I know roughly it's going to be October or November. So that's something that we can kind of plug in. Um, and then you can kind of fill in the rest of your ideas in whatever remains. So if you have, you know, one, we do one to two activity, like one to two field trips and uh, events outside of the meeting place a month. So if I have two events scheduled for a month, then I'll need to put another one on there. Um, I know that month is full as far as events goes. Um, if I have zero events on a month, then that's a good month I can go start filling in, right? And I know troop meetings too, so I can start filling in troop meetings. Like some things, again, are going to be somewhat seasonal and other things aren't. So you fill in the seasonal ones first and then you kind of start at the beginning. What do we want to start with? Are there things that need to be in a specific order? Like we want to do this one first or this one's going to take five subsequent meetings or whatever. Are there things that can kind of be grouped together? Like our cadets next year, we're looking at potentially doing Digital Movie Maker, which they were extremely excited about. We're going to try to wrap in Digital Movie Maker, Screenwriter, and the Media Journey, the Cadet Media Journey, all into the same kind of like unit, so to speak. That's going to be a good five to seven meetings of material, um, those three things and, and what activities we have planned for them. So we already know that's going to take up, I mean, 
most of either the fall or spring. Um, if we know that we have other things that need to fall in the fall or other things that need to fall in the spring, then we're probably not going to have five to seven subsequent meetings in that season. So it's going to have to be the opposite. So those kinds of things. So you go in and fill that in. So that's what we do. And then we have continued committee meetings, planning meetings. You know, it's not all going to get done in one meeting. It's going to take some time. We continue to meet up and we sit down and um, we actually make meeting agendas. We come up with the activities that will be involved, how long we think they'll take compared to how long our meeting is. We put check-in and check-out suggestions. So if you don't do check-in and check-out, check-in and check-out our Girl Scout traditions that you may or may not know, you may or may not do. But the point of it is that every girl's voice is heard. So some girls are going to speak up because they want to speak up. Guess which one I am. Some girls are not going to speak up unless they have to or unless they're directly asked. So a check-in and a check-out is just an opportunity to make sure that every single girl's voice is heard during the meeting. So the girls who um, don't normally speak up are going to get a chance for their opinion to be heard or for their voice to be heard. Sometimes check-in and check-out is um, related to whatever it is you're doing, like maybe you know, we just had a first aid meeting recently, and I think the check-in was, what's the worst injury you've ever had? And so girls shared about broken bones, they shared about burn accidents, they, you know, whatever. Um, and girls have the option to skip. So if they don't want to, or pass, or whatever you want to call it. So if they don't necessarily want to share, they can just say, I'm going to pass and, and move on. Um, once we're done, we usually go back to the girls who passed and we just say, are you sure? Are you sure you want to pass? We want to make sure they absolutely have the opportunity to be encouraged to speak up. If they don't want to speak up, there's no pressure. You don't have to participate in check-in and check-out, uh, but you just have to be respectful and listening and engaged in everyone else's answer. But um, but you have the opportunity to, and we want to hear what you have to say. And then check-out. But check-in and check-out can also be something totally unrelated. I didn't really finish that thought. So it could be like we're doing a first aid meeting, but the check-out is what flavor ice cream do you feel like right now? Um, if you were a color, what color would you be? You can do any of those. Um, this is a good opportunity to slide in. Um, what's your favorite school subject right now? What's, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? Those kinds of things. Do you play any sports? And if so, what, what sports? Um, do you have any hobbies? And if so, what hobbies? What's your favorite thing to do when you get home from school, et cetera? It's a good opportunity to like slide those questions in there and get to know those aspects of the girls that I was talking about earlier to learn more about what they like and what they're engaged in and, and what they want to spend their time doing. And that's going to increase your retention. So check-in is generally done at the very beginning. Check-out is generally done at the very end. And we usually do promise and law and then check-in. So we do promise and law to bring everyone together. Then we do check-in all together. Then we do our meeting, then we do check out all together, and then we do make new friends in a circle and we spin out of the circle. We do not always have time to check out. So sometimes we miss the check out and the singing in the circle. Just depends on if we run right up against the clock. But we try to make a point of doing it because tradition is good, stability and re repetition is good for girls, and then, um, yeah. Okay.
So back to the meeting plans. So we write out all the activities, how long we think they're going to take, a check-in and a check-out, and a supply list even, so we know what supplies we're looking at. We can also sort of build out a meeting budget based on that. So yeah, so that's good. Then we also can do for events, um, depending on how much help you have, you can have point people, this is gonna be your event that you're gonna lead, or maybe for this event, who wants to plan this aspect of it and who wants to plan carpool? Who wants to do this and who wants to do that? You know, who, if we know we wanna to go to a farm to pick strawberries, but there's eight farms we could go to, then we need to do some research to find out if anybody's going to give us a deal for being Girl Scouts, what the cost is, what the availability is, do we have to call ahead to make a tour for a group, et cetera. So who's going to be the point person on doing that legwork, doing that research and, and confirming a place, et cetera. So you start to get all your dates um, hammered out. Now what our troop does, we do email communication, we do Facebook communication, and then we're always available to call or text during the year. That's the way we communicate with um, troop volunteers, or I mean, with troop families. Now, I think what I want to incorporate next year, I just haven't quite figured out exactly how I'm gonna pull it off. What I want to incorporate next year is also text reminders. So um, I've had some recommendations already. If you have recommendations, feel free to shoot them my way. But I do have some things I'm already looking into of how to make this happen. Um, but I think I want to do text reminders next year as well, because people, I think, are reading my emails less and less. Um, and they'll say to me, I know this is in my email, but I know you emailed me about this, but I'm like, hmm. Anyway, so not all of our families are on Facebook, but the ones who are, we have a private Facebook group, so you can request to join it. Um, that's where we share all our photos. So I really encourage my uh, troop parents to join the Facebook group because that's the easiest place for me to share photos and videos. It's just not feasible to share them over email. It's also another way for them to get event reminders. So I set all of our troop meetings and all of our events up as Facebook events. And I put the ones that are like firm dates, I put in there confirmed. And ones that are tentative dates, I write that they're tentative dates. I don't invite people to the events until it's confirmed. And frankly, I don't invite people formally to events until it's close on Facebook. So they just hang out there as an event that's available to the group. So if they wanna go look at them, they can see them, but they don't necessarily have a pending invite because I think that it's too soon to do that. And then as you change stuff, people are gonna like take that date or time as gospel and it's just way too early for me to know what the date is of our activities next March like I just don't know so it's just to give them an idea and something that they can look at at a glance speaking of at a glance the other thing that I like to do is I like to make calendars for people now this could be printing a google calendar I've actually not tried that so I don't know how clean it comes out um, I've actually made them as PDFs, and that does take a little bit of work. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, also, as things change, it is annoying to go back and update them because I only want parents to have a copy of the correct one. So typically, I make them after we've pretty much completed most of our year planning, um, but I don't give them out until the month is starting. Then I both email the calendar PDF and I print it and give them a physical copy of the calendar. 
Um, I know some people do like newsletters, whether that's physical or emailed. Um, so that's similar, that would probably be slightly easier. <laughs> um, yeah, I also pencil in parents meetings. So that's another thing that you kind of want to think about. Our parents, we used to do a parents meeting at cookie season every year. After my parents had sold cookies more than once, they were kind of like, we don't really want to go sit through a parents meeting about cookies every year. Can we do a parent a cookie meeting only for new parents? And then can we do like a beginning of the year and an end of the year parents meeting? We want to know what's coming up. And then we also want to do like a recap meeting. That's totally fine. But we'd rather do those two every year rather than the one at cookies. So this is what we've started doing. At the beginning of the year, we get people to preliminarily sign up to chaperone and carpool for things for the whole year. We talk to them about what our ideas and plans are for the whole year. We talk a little bit about things. We get all our girl health forms, all our adult health forms, all our adult registrations. We do early registration, like spring registration for girls who are recruiting. So the girl registrations are already done at this point, but we do, unless we have new girls, in which case, of course, like the first thing they do is register. We do uniform diagrams at that meeting. It's mainly like, here's all the things we planned. And also here's what you need to know. Here's your purchase list. If your girl just bridged, here's a uniform diagram, even though you don't follow it anyway. So I don't know what the point is. And <laughs> anybody else have that problem? And then um, the meeting at the end of the year, we do two surveys. We do a start, stop, keep survey, which is super simple, um, but it's open-ended. Start doing this, stop doing this, keep doing this. Then we also do a multiple choice survey. And the multiple choice survey, I'm actually gonna do a whole other episode about this, but just to give you an idea, the multiple choice survey is usually multiple choice, true or false, or on a scale of one to five, five being the most, zero being the least zero actually being irrelevant, one being the least. So like we ask questions like, did they make new friends or develop relationships with their existing friends? Do they have an adult they can trust? Um, did they have fun this year? Those kinds of things. Um, are they planning to come back next year? Those kinds of questions. Um, how, and then we also ask them like, what's important to you about your daughter's experience in Girl Scouts? Is it religion? Is it outdoors and camping and hiking? Is it travel? Is it college scholarships? Like, what's important to you? We also ask, um, and they can select from the multiple choice, right? They select all that apply. We ask them, how long do you expect, as long as she's interested and engaged and wants to come back, how long do you expect your girl to continue being a Girl Scout? And um, We'll say like through elementary school, through middle school, through high school, or like no preference as long as she wants to is fine. Because that just gives us an idea. If parents think that girls, that their girls are doing Girl Scouts through elementary school, and that's really the whole point of Girl Scouts, which a lot of people think, then that means we haven't necessarily done a good enough job conveying to parents the opportunities that exist for girls as they grow. So that just gives us a good barometer of like, how are they doing? And these are all anonymous. The start, stop, keep, because it has handwriting, maybe is slightly more, but I'm going to be honest, I don't know my parents' handwriting. Like, I don't know. Um, so they're both anonymous. They can choose to identify themselves by what they write, I guess. But um, the multiple choice one, we're never going to know. It's literally just like multiple choice and anonymous. Like, there's no handwriting. The start, stop, keep sometimes is a little more obvious, depending on what they write. Um, and honestly, pretty much every parent who comes to the parents meeting at the end of the year fills both out. So we get 
we don't always get all the parents who come, but we do get a really good amount of feedback. Whereas the first year we did a survey online and literally one person filled it out. And that was very frustrating because we really wanted feedback, but everybody came back the next year. So I guess that's the feedback that we needed. Now we do get feedback from girls. And I talked about that earlier in this episode. We do ask them, what did you like best? What do you want to do more of? Blah, blah, blah. Like we want to know what the girls think also. And we ask them all the time throughout the whole year, not just at the end of the year, but yes, at the end of the year too. But we do care what parents think because the parents' perception, especially while they're younger, is what is going to determine whether or not their kid comes back. Like whether their kid loves Girl Scouts or not, if mom thinks Girl Scouts is a waste of time and money, the kid's not coming back. So <laughs> we just need to know, like, what's their opinion? Are we getting, are they getting out of it what they thought they would get out of it? And how have our communications been to parents? Because if their perception is that it's a waste of money or that Girl Scouts is only for elementary schoolers or whatever, then it's also like, okay, well, how are we communicating to parents what they're getting out of it then? Because the girls are having a blast and they're learning a lot and they're growing a lot. So yes. Okay. Like I said, I think I'm going to do a whole other separate meeting or um, (laughs) a whole other separate podcast episode about parents meetings and specifically feedback. Um, I think that would be good. I've been seeing some stuff cropping up on Facebook already. I haven't written this year's. We do have an end of your parents meeting scheduled in May but I haven't written this year's survey yet, but I did see that there are some questions about it on the Facebook forums right now. So I think that'll be a good episode topic for later. Okay, this is officially like an epically long episode. I've been talking forever. I need water. I need to see my family. I need to feed my pets. Just kidding, it hasn't been that long, but I am ready to go home, to go inside my house. So with that being said, thank you. I hope this was helpful. If you wanna share how you plan for your troop, Um, Let me know. You can either share directly on the Facebook group itself. We have a Facebook group. Did you know that? We have a Facebook group. You can share directly in the Facebook group. You can find it at girlscoutpodcast.com. There's links directly to Facebook. There's a page and there's a group on the page. Or you can let me know you want to come on the podcast and share your own method of planning your troop activities for the next year. Hopefully this was helpful. Hopefully you haven't. I don't think anybody's already done planning. So I think this is timely. Okay, that's it. Bye. That's all for today's episode. We want to tell your story too. If you or someone you know is interested in being on the podcast, check us out at www.girlscoutpodcast.com. We want to hear from you. This podcast is not affiliated with or endorsed by GSUSA. It is completely run by volunteers and girls. Follow us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or at www.girlscoutpodcast.com.